Hello and welcome to Full Contact Nerd, where we talk about fiction and storytelling in all its forms. From the weird to the fantastic, horror, sci-fi, fantasy, thrillers, mysteries, anything you can ask for, we have it. I'm Chris Alvarez, and thank you for listening. I'm speaking with Nicole Glover, author of The Conductors, to be published by John Joseph Adams, March 2nd, 2021. Thank you for speaking with me. It's great to be here. So, um, so first, uh, considering, you know, as a writer, you have all these ideas in your head, how did this particular idea rise above the rest and, um, make it into novel form? Yeah, it's a, it's a weird story how it came together. It's like, it's, it's a bunch of, it's like a bunch of different seeds have been germinating for a while. Mm-hmm. I always had like the idea of, I guess, and the ground railroad, the conductors, all that other stuff. It's. I mean, I had, like the first project I did in school was like Harriet Tubman and all the history about that. It's always been interesting, but I you know it's just my idea has always fascinated me. I've always been a big fantasy writer. I always loved all the the old school mysteries and whatnot. It's it, how it came together is one of those things. Is basically I was I was just thinking I was bowling over different ideas for a story. I think I had started a, a conductor's itself with started as a a, a straight up historical fiction short story. Mm-hmm. I had like the idea of the main characters were kind of there, but I didn't, I didn't know where I was going with it. And I think I decided, you know, let's add magic to it. I love fantasy stories. Like what, what happens with it? And it's kind of just bloomed in there. The mystery element kind of fell into place once I added that magic in there. Mm-hmm. And it's from there, just more of this, did the research for the, for the, get the history right. And the characters start coming alive and it just kind of killed the came together. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's, so it's, it's, yeah, it's one of those weird sort of weird things that just fell into place for me. Okay, so tell me then the basics of the book, the um, the protagonist, the setting, the conflict. And the main characters are Hetty and Benji Rhodes. They were been in previously they've been underground railroad conductors throughout just just before the Civil War started throughout the bulk of it, mm-hmm. just doing the basics, you know, saving people that sort of thing, but with magic. Mm-hmm. That went to after it. The book itself starts five years after the Civil War. Well, I guess six years after the Civil War in eighteen seventy one in Philadelphia in their home base. Okay. It's basically about them just doing the aftermath. So you know they're free now. It's what what they do in their spare time, and they're like mm-hmm. let's solve mysteries basically. And then there's magic elements with that everything too, adding to the layer to the text to the to the world building. Mm-hmm. And so basically, it's the it's so they had their they had the history of the the, the conducting. They also have the history of Mr. Solving around town, like just solving major and minor, major and minor, minor crimes and murders around around the city. Mm-hmm. But the book, the, the murder that kicks off this book is the death of a close friend of theirs, who was one of the people they had actually had rescued in the past. And it's basically the fallout of what happens when that death of a friend happens with mm-hmm. them to their to their circle of friends, to the community, and everything else ties or ties around with it. Mm-hmm. So, how extensive is magic in this in this setting? Do the did the Confederates have magic? You know how, how also and yeah. In this, in my view of the world, is everyone has magic. Mm-hmm. It just presents differently. Mm-hmm. There's the the characters use a system called celestial magic, which is the drawing of the constellations. Mm-hmm. But there is also another form like sorcery, which is kind of tagged as like the white people magic, the source that came over from England mm-hmm. and the Western Europe, basically, that's used the typical wand waving sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And there's other different types of brands of magic that I don't go out and say, but it's assumed through different traditions, different cultural backgrounds, historical elements, that everyone has to, to do their own kind of brand of magic. 
Mm-hmm. And I like the idea of a world where everyone can do magic. So mm-hmm. like you said, being like a hidden society where it's only select people, like everyone has the ability to, it's like the same, the same thing, like, you know, people like learn to read or certain skills like art and whatnot. It's just mm-hmm. some people are good at it. Some people are terrible at it. Some people have no interest in it all. Mm-hmm. And some people want to learn as much as they can. Mm-hmm. And there's all those, plus there's like the, there's, there's textual layers of, of like who can do magic too. Like for example, uh, black people, non, non-white people in general can't use sorcery in this world because there's all these the typical laws against that. There's like laws against banding using wands, for example. Hmm. And that's why celestial magic and the, uh, there's also another smaller branch, like a brewing potion that so it's hmm. kind of touched into in this, in this world that, that my main characters have access, ability to access to as well. Hmm. And, but anyway, magic's a very, I, I try to make magic a very big thing in the in the world because it, it's a fun thing for me to give, given all this, the heavy historical aspect of it. Right. And it allows right. me to do fun stuff with within the world itself, within the mystery, within the world, the, in the inner lives of the characters as well. Mm-hmm. And I try to make magic in a big, uh, happen in every chapter, either small things like, you know, like, you know, like lighting a, like lighting a, a lamp or something while they're reading a book or or big things like involving the mystery, involving like other aspects of it and stuff. So okay, so how much did you sort of make up your own magic systems versus taking from actual um, traditions? Yeah, I hundred percent kind of went with this is my own thing for the for the for the magic system, mm-hmm. especially for the main so like this kind of constellation based magic. It is more it is simple than just drawing this drawing the constellations and boom, magic happens. And I kind of kept it as simple as that. I felt, felt strongly wanted to make something that was uniquely made for this book. So I looked, I toyed with the idea of looking at, uh, like, I guess, different people, magical traditions that people have. There are some like, well-established traditions around the world that, especially within, like, my, my background as a, of, I guess, the mixture of the Caribbean and African and, South, and Southern Black, so just Southern Black traditions. They have, they have their own, uh, what could be considered magic, but mm. I, I thought about it, but it's not so strongly. I had like enough personal experience that to talk, talk about it in a certain length. And I guess I'm always, it, I guess more, I want to have the freedom to, to make up what they wanted to do with it and do, so I could do things I wanted to do and not be afraid of, I guess, to, I guess, not be you know, like kind of limiting myself in certain, certain aspects of it. Yes. But I guess it mostly it's mostly I just want to leave in the constellation, which I because I always loved like astronomy and astrology, so okay. that was fun for me. So that's what that really drew me in near the end. After I kind of set that in stone. Mm-hmm. So what about Philadelphia? Why did you choose that as your base, your city? Yeah, it's one. It's one part of it with a lot of research. Mm-hmm. I came one of the big things I came across in the research is that before the Civil War, Philadelphia had like the biggest black free black population. I think it rivaled New York City at the time, and it was always growing. It had like it also had that really healthy community as what they've been there for generations. They had they had, that's why it's like a big it was a big hub for the Underground Railroad. You had like um, William Still, who was a big station master. He had his he had the offices there. He had, he's actually was the one when if you ever heard of the guy or William Box Brown, the guy who mailed himself in the box, he actually sent himself to William Still's offices. Oh, okay. Harriet Tubman went through went through Philadelphia, Frederick Douglass, it spoke at some of like the, uh, the, the famous school and in Institute of Colored Youth mm-hmm. several times. And there's just a, it was like a lot of like a groundwork of community, community building that was very fascinating to me because, you know, I know it's, I guess it's hard. It's, it was just fascinating to kind of see that in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And there's also, it also helped. There's there a lot of research about it. Mm-hmm. 
like there's a lot of because of all that history that city had we had you had things like w d du bois uh, a black uh, the philadelphia negro which was his study in, around 1899 about philadelphia mm-hmm. itself he actually gave a walkthrough through philadelphia seventh ward that was really helpful for me to kind of building out the what the city looks like even though it's like about you know 20 ish 30 ish years mm-hmm. uh, after the time i set my book in but it gave me a good a view of what it looked like at the time and that's a lot of insightful things and i think also too i think also and like a other minor stuff like pop culture it pops up a lot and as a as a like a place to be like a for example the the children's series american the american girl book series with the character addy mm-hmm. addy walker they were set in philadelphia which and you know this it was my kind of my that was the books i really loved growing up as a child and it's kind of my nod and some like little easter egg in a sense for that have that book set there basically but mm-hmm. having philadelphia also allows me to do a lot of just fun stuff that i also like kind of learn more about the region because even though i'm not from that area there's a lot of interesting things that you wouldn't really think about when you think about this particular history mm-hmm. in that area so it was a lot of, kind of fun for me and also just made a good setting it's also close to a lot of different bigger cities and certain areas that i could pull into later for future for future stuff too mm-hmm. now obviously philly is much different now than it was then but did you get a chance to go and look at anything uh, that that was one of the things i wanted to do last year to be honest mm-hmm. to get on the ground get boots down on the ground it's i actually had time to actually make that trip mm-hmm. and i was like good things happen I, I was, i'll eventually make it but mm-hmm. i think it's kind of it's a hard thing too with a is trying to run into something historical and using like what real world of places too because mm-hmm. When I was building up, drafting, really drafting the book, I was using Google Maps to figure out like how far people walked through the streets and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I actually had to go back and dig out the old historical maps because the, you know, this, this, the city itself has changed a lot. You know, there's highways and places where they didn't used to be and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. you try to keep that in mind. So it's like, so it'd be kind of weird. Cause I remember, I, I, I think cause I remember cause when I was thinking about doing a trip to Philadelphia, I remember the times when I had, in the past, I'd gone up to New York for a heads. I had well, what years ago I had the story set up in like in like Harlem, New York City, and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I made happened to be in New York, New York at the time. And it went up, so I decided not to go do a little walking tour. And it was just so different just from all the research because it's overlaying it to what I've seen then and what I've seen from my research. So mm-hmm. I guess that's always like that's the risk when I guess when you're trying to base some real stuff, like you know, you try to get as accurate as possible when you especially when you, when you have all this the historical time is different from what the point you're working with and what you're right there right now. Yeah. You get that dissonance a bit. Yeah. So. I'm speaking with Nicole Glover, author of The Conductors. You can find more information about her work at Nicole Glover.com. If you like this podcast, full contact nerd interviews so far, please subscribe. If you want daily book suggestions for new fiction and nonfiction studies in sci-fi, fantasy, horror, mysteries, gaming, game design, film history, and more, please check out my YouTube channel, Chris Alvarez Full Contact Nerd, my website, chrisalvarez.com or fullcontactnerd.com, my podcast, Full Contact Nerd Interviews, and my Twitch channel, Full Contact Nerd. If you're looking for new military and general history books and information, check out warscholar.org or militaryhistorypodcast.com, my YouTube channel, War Scholar, and my podcast, Military History Inside Out. If you want new technology, science, and space books, check out technologyinspace.com, my YouTube channel, 
Spacewalks Money Talks, and my podcast, Technology and Space. Now back to the podcast. What about the um, sort of the clothing and that sort of thing, like the everyday items that people use then? What would you do for, how did you research that? Lots of, some of it I found in like blogs, some of the books I found, they have a lot of, some pictures in there. Mm-hmm. A good resource was actually, you know, just looking up uh, all the people, having, you know, people have a, all these, there's all, but there's a collection of photos from libraries, mostly that somehow all end up in Pinterest, apparently, <laughs> of people of, by that, that time period, I think there's always, there's always these links about like the blogs, what they call like you know, black Victorians and whatnot. There's basically people back in the day and there's, I found a couple of resources and a couple of Pinterest boards that had like all these like, you know, this black and white classic photographs of people, you know, this in the fancy dress of their time taking their photographs. And yeah. it's, it's, you know, it's kind of amazing. It's like, I found so many enough that sometimes I still find new stuff. Mm-hmm. Every so often I go back and refresh all my, the, the photos I have and it's like I find new stuff, new, new images and it's, it's interesting and helps give me helps give me a sense of what they look like, what they're dressing like, and whatnot. And I guess and it also it's kind of grounds me a little bit more because I can still I still have my own vision of like what it is in my as I'm writing. But having just seeing it has kind of helped out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Were there any um, spots in Philadelphia, any locations that you really had to research? You know, like some piv- I, I don't want you to give anything away yeah. in the novel, but if you can mention any pivotal areas um, that you really had to dig in to get it, to feel like you got it right. Uh, nothing in particular. I do remember looking at lighthouses around Philadelphia at one point, hmm. because mostly because I wanted to make a reference to lighthouses. And I realized that there weren't any that there are, well, there are some, they either weren't built the time I, the time I wanted to be basically they were built years afterwards like you know mm-hmm. even like a space of like a few years or like a 10 years something like that mm-hmm. and it's like little things like that I want things I want to reference I want to make sure that I was trying to be as close as possible even though I do like um bend a little bit of the history sometimes because yeah. it I mean it's fans I have magic I can don't have to be 100% <laughs> historically accurate which is the thing I have to remember at times too I don't have to be 100% but I wanted to be kind of close close to it that it still gets that, that's not too far away because I might as well write like you know alternate history, a total alternate history. So mm-hmm. just like looking at like small things like to make it kind of mostly accurate, mostly mostly so it won't be too out of place. Mm-hmm. So when you made your magic system, did you sort of create it as you went along, or did you map it out, you know, pretty extensively in, in reference to it, you know, when as you wrote? I think that you can mostly because it's. I did since it's more of a, I guess it's loose being like, const- I just use the constellation, but I have certain set constellations that the characters use. Mm-hmm. Like they won't use like, they use more, they don't use, they don't use like more of the weird modern ones, like, you know, like a microscope or telescope. They, don't, they use more like typical ones. You think the Zodiac ones, like Orion, Andromedia, those, those constellations, I guess. And I kind of set, stuck with those. And but I set also rules of like how it was done. Like it has to be drawn or, perhaps sewn or like uh, painted that sort of thing that hmm. has to the rules is like you know it's the rules are basically built around like how it's created and like how the i guess the effects of how it's seen like my my view like whenever the magic's done like it's going to glow it's going to be very visible which is like one of the downsides of the magic system that you can't really quietly do the magic it's going to be seen by no matter how much you try oh, okay so do people depending on their skill level do they have can everyone sort of, if they're skilled enough, everyone could cast the same spells or does, do people have specific sort of uh, types of spells that they're attuned to? 
Yeah, that's the that's the thing. It's my cause my vision is the, of the magic system was kind of it was created basically on plantations. It's created by people who just had the stars. So there isn't like there isn't a set, uh, like a set written down rules book yet. Everyone has they can do it, but everyone does it different ways. Like my my there's like there's a joke I had with one of the between the main character and some of the fun characters is that one character will have a like a list of like they'll use X, Y, and Z stuff of spells for certain constellations that all as always, but the main character will use any constellation that suits her needs at the moment. Mm-hmm. Whether it's easier or simpler to do if it's a hard one, easy to do depending on what kind of spell how complicated their spell she's trying to do. She'll do whatever one she wants. And that's and that's because there's there's basically there's no rules of like yeah, it's no, no rules about how how it's done. But it's mostly just lim- it's mostly the most the most rules around the limits, certain limitations of it. And, mm-hmm. and I guess it's most it's mostly me my way kind of exploring how that's that this is what happens more of an organic of magic where it's kind of developed without like a, a typical rules rule set, which is a contrast to to the other more stricter rules, which was the sorcery rules, which is like you know it's like a typical spell books, right? Mm-hmm. Where constellation is more like it's organic, it's different, it's changing, no set rules. And okay. that what makes it makes it creative for certain people, and it makes it confusing for other people. Yeah, yeah. So. No, that's. I'm, cool. I'm, I'm worried that I'm confusing people. <laughs> no, no, no. It so, makes sense to me. It's yeah. pretty cool. I like I like that explanation. Yeah. Um, so what are so you mentioned some of the stuff that you like to read? Um, can yeah. you talk about, you know, like either books, music, TV? Um, maybe not necessarily that inspired this book, but which kind of inspire your creative imagination. I read a lot of different things, to be honest. I, I, I guess I'm not. I, I, I mostly read a lot of fantasy and science fiction, but I also I, I dip into toes in a lot of different genres, whether it's like plus course mysteries, but and like there's also reading a lot of like younger adults, like the young adult middle, middle grade fantasies, which I actually found a lot of more recent middle grade fantasy lately have been more. They have been more very fascinating how free flowing a lot of their fantasy worlds are. Like it's. There's less. I feel like there's like less restrictions in some sense compared to hmm. adult fantasy and young adult fantasy for some reason. Okay. And let's see. I think I also dipped a lot, of, reading a lot of a, I don't know, like romance, especially historical romance too. Mostly because it's it's a, it's funny. It's that even though I'm not a really big romance writer reader in general, or even a writer in that sense, but reading their books, it's like it's it's a way their approach history was one of the ways that it kind of helps me approach hmm. history when i'm writing this book yeah. because it's it's using like the it's using like it's the trappings of history but also using the way that you can also convey some aspect of history but still focusing on the plot itself which is different from historical fiction or historical or typical historical mysteries and it's it's kind of fun looking at those different contrasts of how it's being used and it's, and it just it was just things that yeah just reading different different stuff different genres kind of helped me kind of figure out what pieces I wanted to take and kind of utilize for my story because it's a because like my stories get to genre mixed or different things I always feel like really bad when I'm saying oh it's I'm listing out it's a historical mystery fantasy like I feel like a mouthful and so I was thinking <laughs> of different things together yeah so what about um tvs and shows anything do you, do you find time to watch much uh some I and mean, sometimes I have a few shows I've been I would kind of watching to kind of follow along I'm not I don't have actually the list. It's been I guess the shows ended. They've gone like you know they dwindled more recently. Hmm. But it's kind of, it's kind of funny. I think the, the last I know the last big one I've been following for years was like a, I don't know Marvel's Agents of Shield recently hmm. that has ended. Which you no, know, it's it's kind of one of those like a steadfast like the so that's you know I always liked watching 
and but it is also tackle like every science fiction trope out there which hmm. amused me at the end like at the end of the, at the end of the show they, they hit every science fiction thing you can watch mm-hmm. um and i've recently finished up the mandalorian okay which is that was a lot of fun yeah. and mostly because it's i've always i always liked star wars but it's like it's like as much sense like everyone likes it it's like a big cultural thing so i like yeah. it as much but i think it's and also you got the line drawing it was what it kind of tackled one one major complaint i had with star wars journal is that it gets let's just see more of the world like yeah. uh, it gets important character in some sense because you always have a all the main films are like really kind of centered on like a certain like a, a certain view of the star wars universe it's mostly like a, the battlegrounds between like two forces that are like more of like figureheads with certain things whereas i guess the mandalorian got lets you go to kind of see more of the world which is something i like more of like with road run got to see more different mm-hmm. aspects of the world and stuff which yeah, and it was kind of fun. Yeah, and I don't know just anything in general. I think I've been watching like cooking, cooking shows recently. Mostly, I guess it's because of the creative thing in the background. Even though some of them are very typical, they can pick out, yeah. pick out who's going to win at the end of certain thing. But most that's mostly just more of a at least something I can watch without like thinking too much about narrative about stuff. I think I think one one problem with being a writer sometimes is like I start poking holes in like, <laughs> certain shows. Like, oh, I could do this differently. I would, but this could have been different. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, it's always a hard thing, especially when I'm in editing mode or mm-hmm. like when I read, whenever, like I'm doing any, anything really, reading books, watching movies, TV shows and whatnot, mm-hmm. I start critiquing certain things. Like it'd be a little bit slightly different because I'm in that mode of like, of looking for like problems and seeing what I can fix with it. So mm-hmm. what about, uh, do you watch much history since you wrote a historical novel? Do you watch much yeah. of it? Uh, no, no, I think, uh, I mean, I'll watch some of the. I watch some shows. Like, I mean, I love Lovecraft, Lovecraft Country was the more re- one of the more recent ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't watch too many historical dramas. I guess mostly I get picky at certain things. I think I, sometimes mm-hmm. I, it's, sometimes the history there, history shows aren't always time periods I'm really interested in looking into. A lot right. of times they're like, I don't know, this it's just they aren't that so they aren't too they aren't too interesting for me to watch. Mm-hmm. Or I just sometimes I'll get or actually research like. Or I know enough about the history part they're talking about, and I'm not that interested because I know that I'll be worried. I'll be like, you know, I mean, one of those people will be like nitpicking. Oh, this is like totally wrong. This like, mm-hmm. I know there's there's a film that came out a few years ago. I remember that I had read the book. It was based off of, but the film, even though it said it was based off the the, the nonfiction book, it had took liberties with the timeline to mm-hmm. kind of rearrange things to make it fit the movie timeline. Whereas mm-hmm. in the book, in the real life, it was totally different like it was space of 10 years that all these events he just rearranged in the film and that just bothered me enough that i wish they made like original characters with the film instead of making it like a biography yeah i see in the sense but yeah. it's like yeah it's like little things like that so mm-hmm. yeah but i don't yeah but in general i don't watch too many his, historical stuff you know mm-hmm. i mean sometimes i watch a watch documentary or two but not not often enough it's more of a i guess it's, since i lean more in towards the fiction side it's more of like I see history as more like the inspiration for certain things. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes I'll read, uh, I don't know, sometimes I'll pick up something like a, a like a nonfiction historical, either history based or otherwise, mm-hmm. and it's kind of used as, as a launch a launch point to get inspired for the story, whether or not then that time period or moved around differently. So, mm-hmm. well, let me ask but, about um, your writing process. Yeah. Is there compared to other writers, or is, is there any aspect of your writing that you consider different? from what other people do either to finish your drafts or, or any aspect of the process? I don't think in general. I know, I remember people talk about the writing process. I always have, at least the, the 
really complicated. I mean, it's fairly simple. I mean, I, I still use Word. Mm-hmm. I still like, you know, I write from, I, I try to write sequentially most, mostly, especially when the first drafts, I'll write, I'll write from this first chapter and I'll just go to all the way to the end as, as you know, as possible, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. I don't use like, you know, any like uh, note cards or anything like that or any kind of fancy programs and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I just, I mean, I do a lot of, I know, especially when I could, when I was actually going out, out, outside to work and stuff, I would have, no, I would always carry notebooks with me and. Mm-hmm. would during my lunch break since i actually my workplace was across from the public library so i would sure. take part of the lunch break go out in libraries and wrote right you know, write down a scene or like write down like brainstorming brainstorm like a an outline in a sense for the scene i wanted to write that evening after work mm-hmm. and you just use those minutes to write down by down by hand which i kind of really miss it's kind of hard to do I, I can still do that here working from home but not it's not as it's not as different <laughs> it's <still> different <laughs> Yeah. But anyway, I did a lot of I did a lot of that actually. I had, I have actually kept a lot of no- notebooks I had wrote for this for the book there's this book and other stuff that mm. is so it's kind of nice. I have like I have so many little notebooks I have collected over years, mostly yeah. like Stana notebooks. Yeah. And I have a nice little. I think I took a picture once when I moved. I had I had collected all the notebooks I had. I had about like twenty or so mm. within the, the last few years, just just built with my terrible handwriting of notes <laughs> and stuff. But no, that's that's basically the drafting process process with me. I think because I work full time, I I gotten really structured with the at certain times of having it working at like I think like I get home after and re, re, recoup from the day. I I have this set time. I basically start writing and just write until I go to bed and try to. I usually try to aim for when I'm drafting two thousand words, which which I, I just kind of slowly broke my way up to getting to that because it's a. I guess I. I, it's because the only really, really window of time I would have to write, basically, mm-hmm. and that kind of that kind of helped me get into the practice of getting the draft out, basically. Mm-hmm. And I guess when it comes to revisions, when I get to that process, I kind of make a make a list of things that I knew I wanted to change as I'm think. Oh, because I'm, I let myself think about like a, all the different plot twists around the writing, and just make a list of things I want to change, want to improve better. Um, make note of certain arcs, that sort of thing. Just make make a list of all those different things, mm-hmm. and just start going back and just just going revising and stuff. I actually go through several processes of revising, so most partly because I do first. I do I make sure I do a, I guess a sound check for the mystery element because the mystery element is like one of the. I guess even when I'm drafting is like I figure out who the murderer is, mm-hmm. why they did it, and ultimately like what method it was, and have that kind of locked down. Mm-hmm. And that pretty much is the only thing that doesn't change. Throughout, no matter how much I revise, that kind of stays pretty solid. So I make mm-hmm. sure that that's kind of locked down. Everything else, everything else, is like kind of details. How much of certain scenes, of whether it's like all the the, the mystery solving aspect of the, and also make sure there's like a like kind of character work aspect of it too. Mm-hmm. I think a big part of me is showing like the internal lives of these characters. So I don't sure there's an art for that, and kind of just go in making sure that's kind of there too. And yeah, no, just do different passes and different things and. I, mean, I guess I see revision as the most, the longest, the most organic, the most interesting part for me because the drafting part is like pulling teeth out. Like I gotta get mm-hmm. these words out, but revisions I get to play around and kind of see what moves around. Actually, a lot of times we do a revision, like it just transforms the book. I I like I literally at some point I'll actually break the book. I call it breaking the book, where I I go in and just move scenes around and just see how that works better. Sometimes mm-hmm. scenes I wrote later in the book kind of works better earlier and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Depending on some certain arches, it's just like it's a weird way to just figure out how your brain works. 
I think because I'm always thinking about the book, I guess it's it's easier for me to kind of play around and with the revision part. So, and, and this is uh, this is your debut novel, is that correct? Yes. So now that you have this debut novel, has has um, having this come out, has it changed? Have you found that you've changed your approach to writing at all? I don't know. It's a it's, it's too hard to tell. It's kind of just I'm in the been waiting for a while for this since it got especially since it got bumped too from since it was supposed to come out last fall. Uh, so I got more time to to more time to I guess. I guess still being the part where it's still like the, the new part of everything. It's, it's still coming out, still kind of new. It's, mm-hmm. I don't, it's not, the reality hasn't really quite set in yet. I think mm-hmm. also been busy with the follow-up, mm-hmm. which I'm actually working in the part of, or hard work of revising right now. Okay. And so I've been kind of been busy with that. And I don't know. I think one, I don't know. Just, yeah, it's, it's weird. It's, I think it's, I don't know if it's changed slightly. It, it also made me more of, I think, I guess because, I've always had a structure anyway of like keeping, uh, keeping, uh, just keeping on top of things. It doesn't really change much. It is, it does change. I, I think one thing changes that it's, I guess the worries about like, you know, it's going to be people actually going to start reading it soon. Like it's not just going to be like a small circle of people, like mm-hmm. strangers are going to read this. And yeah. I think one point with the, with the second book I'm, work, I'm working on is like, you know, it's me thinking I, I don't have, I don't, I don't, I'm think, at one point I was thinking like, yeah, I, I wouldn't, this, by the time I write this, finish this month, I won't, I won't have like feedback from the first book, know what I did wrong, that sort of thing. And it's getting all these little worries about like what, you know, the hypothetical strangers are going to say and, you know, that sort of thing. And but I guess those, I guess those worries you get, like, uh, it's when well, you're just in that, that quiet space of like waiting for the stuff to come out and not really, not in the in, in anxiety of like, no, it's not knowing what people are going to say because you don't know. Because I think because a lot of since the book hasn't come out yet, it's like it's there's and mostly anticipation. I don't know what I don't know what's going to happen basically. Mm-hmm. But you know, just I'm trying to enjoy it too because you know it's the young get your, you don't get you don't get the debut more than once. So <laughs> trying to enjoy that as well. Yeah, yeah. And just trying not to worry too much about what the what people are going to say. Right, just, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we know in social media, people can. I mean, there's lots of praise, but there's also lots of. Yeah. You remember the bad things. People, you can hear 50 good things, and that mm-hmm. one bad thing will be like the, you'll hear it, you'll think about it all the time. So, mm-hmm. I'm speaking with Nicole Glover, author of The Conductors. You can find more information about her work at Nicole-Glover.com. If you like this podcast, Full Contact Nerd Interviews, so far, please subscribe. If you want daily book suggestions for new fiction and nonfiction studies in sci-fi, fantasy, horror, mysteries, gaming, game design, film history, and more, please check out my YouTube channel, Chris Alvarez Full Contact Nerd, my website, chrisalvarez.com or fullcontactnerd.com, my podcast, Full Contact Nerd Interviews, and my Twitch channel, Full Contact Nerd. If you're looking for new military and general history books and information, check out warscholar.org or militaryhistorypodcast.com, my YouTube channel, War Scholar, and my podcast, Military History Inside Out. If you want new technology, science, and space books, check out technologyinspace.com, my YouTube channel, Spacewalks Money Talks, and my podcast, Technology and Space. Now back to the podcast. Well, what, so if someone, like, what, what would bother you the most, do you think? You know, if you got some kind of complaint, you know, would you, 
you know, if someone complained about the plot or the characterization or like what, what part of it do you think you'd be most sensitive to if you want to answer that? That might be too personal, but. It's a, oh no, I'm going to say everything, you know, <laughs> you know, someone's like complaining about anything about it because it's because per- the book's perfect in my eyes. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's the, I don't know. I guess the, I don't know. I guess the, and it's hard to say it's say would be like, you know, outside of the obvious, you know, like, uh, the, the obvious stuff that people that people you know troll people out on the yeah. internet about I don't know I guess the I guess I guess critiques of being a you misunderstanding what you're doing trying to do or something like that or I don't know mm-hmm. even seeing something silly as I made lightheart of the make, being lighthearted about the history because mm-hmm. you know it's a even though it's not sort even though it's a historical setting mm-hmm. I'm I'm playing more with the genre with the fantasy and mystery aspects of it mm-hmm. and I don't know I mean I try to see, even have fun with the have fun within the story and it's not going to be like a not trying to make make a try not to make the bleak historical re- retelling of stuff so mm, okay. I, don't know. I guess i guess i'll see i guess i don't know i guess i, I can't really think of a particular complaint other than you know that the general the general global is terrible worst book ever <laughs> i'll make sure you'll never write again that sort of thing well that i guess that's sort of what my because i know it's an odd question but mm-hmm. I guess sort of, would you be more bothered by someone picking on something specific or just someone saying, I, I, I don't like this, this is, this is no good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or even like a weird, like a historical thing, like something that wasn't just hundred percent historical accurate. And like, because it's, you know, it's fantasy and like, you know, it's like, and then they just, they, that's going to, that's the whole review is about like complaining about, I'm not hundred percent historical accurate about something or something that's minor mm-hmm. or I don't know, or just because they just say that it's a. Or even just because anything that I portray in the book is like unbelievable because you know it's not typical of what the the story is about. I think I think one of the things I'd, I guess I try to make the character reflective of my world of view as you know of of trying to be as you know, diverse within the characters and self within not just the characters I I created but in the world setting itself and even careful in my I guess the writing itself like I try to. I guess be inclusive in that one, that sense mm-hmm. as a, even like a, when I can in narrations, I think I, one thing I viewed with when I was writing it, that there's a different, a different voice between the narration that I'm using to narrate the certain things and what the character, the main character's narr- point of view narration is. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I guess, yeah, I, just, I kind of differentiate that with some of the board I'm not sure if some of the people will pick up, pick up on that or not. Mm-hmm. It's my, it's like minor stuff just being like a, being like a gender inclusive, basically using they pronouns in certain places mm-hmm. within the narr- within the story narration, where in, con- in contrast to when the character herself is narrating or dialogue, mm-hmm. and certain things like that. Just being this minor stuff to being uh, as within this building in the story. Mm-hmm. So. Does uh, do did you put any characters in that um, that sort of I, I don't say autobiographical, but are sort of like you in the book? Did you do anything like that? Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess I always feel like I feel like every character right has its part. Of, it's like a part of me in there. Like it's a, a certain aspect of me in there. Like it's mm-hmm. one part. Maybe my my love of books in one character, or it's my by the old opinions. I don't say all aloud because this one character is it's the one that has all the certain things. Or this other character is like, oh, this is the gloomy, the pref, the cynical character, that sort of thing. And they all have different aspects of me in that different things. If, if that. In that, in that sense yeah it does so that's, kind of, that's when i kind of do whenever you write characters like you're you're just taking aspects of yourself and just either dialing up or dialing it down mm-hmm. 
You mentioned other work, non-writing work that you've done. How is the other work that you've done influenced how or what you write? Yeah, it's, it's like it's split sound. There's different ways. I know uh, there's things like my like day job, for example, it gets me, gets me organized for certain things. It gets me focused on, I guess, the intro process of either of working on stuff, working with other people, that, that sort of thing. Come mm -hmm. kind of work as a UX researcher. So it's like the person who like, you know, looks into it, makes you clicks, click, select their something in apps and make things, the websites more friendly to kind of use. Mm -hmm. And I guess, I mean, I come from like from that and between a, a, a psych background, certain things, because it's, that's one aspect of certain things. And I think also it makes me interested in easily do with the research stuff, easily interested mm -hmm. in doing the research thing, get me interested in like the, the smaller, less known things and kind of work that sort of certain things in there. Mm -hmm. Um, I just done different things. I know uh, writing wise, I've done different stuff. Like uh, I messed around with like, you know, playwriting, and mm. writing the TV script, pilot stuff. That's mostly, most of it was like, some of it was like experiments. Some of those exercises and trying to write that stuff and learning that, yeah, that you can write, you can put too many characters in the play and it makes art a uh, screenplay. And it doesn't read as well as you do with the mm. novel. Like it's, those are different things like that. Um, mm. Uh, it's I also do a lot of tinkering with um art stuff like uh, Photoshop stuff I like playing around with Photoshop I think mm -hmm. one of the things with having my books being delayed a bit I had more time to play with all the graphics for book design and stuff like that mm -hmm. and make try to mess around with gifts and you know just little different things like that just a, I guess it's called like flexing a different creative aspect of your mind which is kind of helpful in some ways because it gets you to think of problem solving differently right right so for this for this novel what is the um aesthetic of the book if, if it had a soundtrack you know what what would you feel like the soundtrack and the feel of the book is um i think um <laughs> it'll probably be like a mix of um the sherlock holmes the 2009 film series hmm. especially like the i guess the end credit that sort of stuff um okay a lot i guess a lot, a lot of strings violins instrumental stuff Mm -hmm. I think I mostly because a lot of stuff I end up writing. It's my part of my writing playlist, I guess. Yeah. That sort of thing. Mm -hmm. oh, maybe some piano music in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A lot of in I guess a lot of instrumental, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. When you edited the book, or when the book was being edited, either by yourself or once you submitted it, um, did you have to take a lot out? Like, are, did you overwrite and have to cut back, or or expand on what you did? Mm, I think. I'm trying to think. I think when I was throughout editing process, I try. I, I tend to write over when I draft, so I tend to try to cut, kind of cut things down a little bit. It's mm -hmm. mostly just tweaking and fine tuning stuff, combining characters, um, uh, just retooling certain scenes and move, moving things around like that. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think I've no. I don't remember any major cuts I did. I did with the first book. I actually just before the final copy edit stuff, for the last kind of last go, I did I did end up adding like an extra one scene in there that I was going back and forth before mm -hmm. I turned the, the book in. Because it's because it's one of the things I do with the with the book, I have a series of like interludes, about six of them that do that do like a, a quick little flashback to the character's past. Mm -hmm. Acting a little bit of the short story and also as a way to convey stuff that I didn't want to sit sit down and stop in the main narrative to tell you. I thought we were interested in kind of show these little aspects of it because it's you know it's one one aspect. It's also me showing off history stuff. Also, too, like doing a character moment because the book itself takes place within a week, so I don't have a lot of time to do 
so, so certain past events I wanted to reference. And anyway, one of these interludes was one of the ones that I was going back and forth where I wanted to cut or keep, and I couldn't get it right. I think I wrote this particular scene about 10 different times mm. in the following leading up to like turning in the book and for real. And I think at the very last moment, I figured out what to fix with it and put it back in there. Yeah. And I was kind of, I was really happy it got it in there because I wanted, it's just, it's a small moment. It's probably one of the shorter ones, but I really wanted to have it in there because it was just another character aspect of the work and mm-hmm. allowing to, allow to see the characters more outside of just the mystery stuff. Mm-hmm. So, but because one of the, one of the big things I found as a revision, I wanted to show them like living their lives basically outside the mystery. Yeah, right, right. So this is sort of a whimsical question. Um, when you were younger, was there a power technology or fictional setting that you yearned for or wanted to be a part of? Uh, let me think. There's, there's a particular one. I think, I don't know, I guess, I was going with the, my first one, probably Sailor Moon. Ah. I, I was really a big fan of Sailor Moon series that came out. Mm-hmm. And I always loved the little, the little gadgets and I guess the little gadgets they had, like I guess the transformation weapons and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I guess I just loved, I guess that was like kind of the first really big match, like fantastical magical thing I saw as, 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 a, as a young person, basically. Mm-hmm. And I always really liked that. And that's probably like started my love for strong, astrology and astronomy. And it kind of stuck with me. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I ever, I don't know if I ever wanted to be in the world particularly. I guess I like the idea of having magical powers, like yeah. that, I guess. I guess ability to do certain things and see things happen. I always... I was like, used to, I guess, I guess some type of kid that used to wonder as a young child, like, why was I born in this boring world where there's no magic and you can't do anything <laughs> fantastic? Because I, I always, I'm a big believer thief of the, a peril of multiple of the multiverse. Basically, there's different worlds out there that we are unable to get to because of dimensional thing. And so, another world, basically, there's a world where I have magical powers. Basically, yeah. Yeah. I, I feel very strong that world exists. Yeah, and that sort of thing. Now, do, have you ever done cosplay or attended cosplays? Are you familiar with that? No, I know I'm familiar with that. I just, I just, I'm not one. I'm not. I'm really not that good at sewing. Huh. And you know, I guess too. I, even though I like the idea of a good costume. Is I don't know. I just, I'm always weird about. I guess to getting to getting it all together and taking the time for all this other stuff. I do admire a lot of people who have really. Cause I've seen lots of really good like cosplay mm-hmm. photos, and I, like, I'm really admired like all the attention to detail, the craftsmanship. But I just, I could, I could never do that. Yeah. So did you, um, so you mentioned some of the, what it took to finish the book up. Were there any other difficulties in getting it finished or published? Um, I think it's just a lot of, I guess, let's timing stuff. Um, this, I guess it's just the first, it's like, you know, it's the first, the, the first thing, I'm, first thing I'm publishing professionally mm-hmm. at all. So it's like, it's just different. That's just getting used to, uh, like an edit, working with an editing, with an editing team, working with timeline, working with deadlines. I was working with other people's other the other things and all that other things and things having also accepting that some things are beyond my control. Mm-hmm. That there's so much like you can't do. Like even though I could say I could finish, I could turn this to draft in and say I want this book published like right right away within two months. Mm-hmm. And like I can't do that, you know that sort of thing. And just trying to admit like once certain things are beyond your control, which I think is the kind of the hardest part. Mm-hmm. I think like it's with with once getting like especially traditionally publishing is that there's this you only really control what's you can write in the words and some writing the words uh on the page and everything like that so that's beyond everything else you can't really there's much too much you can do and mm-hmm. and this is i guess also realizing is how slow publishing used to be because i think 
as you know, a big reader, like, you know, I never really thought about how long it takes for a book to come out. I just, I just always thought mm-hmm. a book appears in the library, a book appears in the yeah. bookstore, and it's there. I never thought about, like, how long it takes or when, or even when, like, books come out in general. Mm-hmm. But one thing I found that has gotten involved with publishing is that I'm, like, hyper aware, like, when the book's being published out to be out in bookstores and everything like that. Whereas before, I'm like, oh, it just shows up. Like, I remember in the library, like, it's, <laughs> oh, it shows up in the news stack, even though it's, like, been pumped and now technically about only four or five months because I found that some of the libraries, it takes a while. I guess they're in processing for a while. Uh-huh. I remember when it's a book I really wanted to read, I was waiting for it to come to the library. And I remember like waiting for like three months for it to be, to come in. It was like in processing for that long. And I was like, are they just, is processing the keyword for like librarians reading books? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Like, like, I figure they have to read the book to know it's like good for the patrons. But I was like, you know, there's little things like that. But I'm just hyper aware of like when, when like this, when books are coming out, like instead of being like, oh, this shows up, mm-hmm. which is oh, there's interesting shifts and all that kind of stuff. And but also that on, on the other flip side is that when I'm talking about I'm writing a book or I'm publishing a book, and people ask when it, when it's coming out, and they're like, and I think oh, it's like a few. I I thinking like you know six months. Oh, it's not too that's not too far away. And they're and they're like, oh, that's really far away. That's six months. <laughs> and, and that especially felt like that more last year too. Mm-hmm. Uh, like that since the time being this like really loop thing like it feels like six months to like you know 10 years mm-hmm. and stuff so it's like that's that's an interesting thing about everything yeah um so you mentioned that you're finished you're revising this follow-up um the follow-up novel um do you have something else on the plate beyond that or are you just totally focused on this right now the I got one something that hasn't been officially announced yet that's I'm excited, really excited about, which it kind of is a surprise thing that happened last year, but I can't really say too much about it for now. Okay. And some hope, stuff I'm hoping that will come something, but nothing else that can officially say, so. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So where can people find, uh, find you on the web? Do you have social media, website? Yeah, my website is, it's basically my name, Nicole-Glover.com, and I have a Twitter handle. Uh, it's basically, it's, it's, it's Nicole, and it's, and instead of this being Glover, I replaced the V with a W, so it's like Glower. Yeah. With Glower. Yeah. It's just it's just a funny spelling thing because mm-hmm. one, someone already took my name. I have a really common name for some reason, and mm-hmm. two, I didn't want to. It I so, you know sometimes I misspell my name and it's it comes in a W sometimes, but mm-hmm. but I thought that was kind of funny. But it's it's, yeah. it's yeah that's those are kind of two main places you'll find me at. So just uh, and I'll just spell it for for listeners and, and viewers. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's Nicole, N-I-C-O-L-E, and Glover, G-L-O-V-E-R. And, and you said the, um, so again, that you said Twitter, it's yep. Nicole Glower, Glower? Yeah. With the W instead <laughs> of V? That's the W, W instead of And it's just one, one word, it doesn't have a dash or anything, right? Right. Okay. Yes. Okay, cool. Well, that's all the questions I have. Do you have any final thoughts or words? No, it's, it's kind of exciting. I think and it's getting, yeah, it's, since I'm debuting, it's like it's one starting to do all the fun author events now. So mm-hmm. it's great. It's great, kind of great talking. I always, it's it's fun. I'm really fairly shy in person, but talking about a book, I'm I'm really easy to, for doing that for some reason. So mm-hmm. it's it's fun. It's fun talking, fun answering questions and things. So and then yeah, and yeah, it was it was fun talking with you. So just to sorry, um, just to add, um, so. Pre-COVID, I guess the plans were: were you going to do a book tour of, um, you know, it's, if it were coming out in the fall last year? 
It, I think it showed that. It was the thing is my book was I guess it was so early and all this other stuff, everything changed that nothing was in nothing was in set in stone yet. Uh, and that's that's mostly why it was easy for my for me to get pushed into this year and because it was you know I think you know because my book was originally set in, in November of last year. Mm-hmm. So no, well, it's when the, all the COVID kind of started up. It wasn't. I mean, I my my arcs weren't even done yet, so it wasn't like yeah. it was still like early, early with stuff. So it's like okay. it was easy thing to move around. So but I imagine if it, everything was in the, the in the alternate universe mm-hmm. where it did come out, I would have had like you know the, the book tour and whatnot. So, yeah. so okay, yeah, yeah. Thanks so much for uh, speaking with me. It was it was great. It was fun. Thank you for listening to Full Contact Nerd Interviews. If you like this episode, please subscribe for more. If you want daily book suggestions for new fiction and nonfiction studies in sci-fi, fantasy, horror, mysteries, gaming, game design, film history, and more, please check out my YouTube channel, Chris Alvarez, my website, chrisalvarez.com, or fullcontactnerd.com, my Twitch channel, Full Contact Nerd, and my podcast, Full Contact Nerd Interviews. If you're looking for new military and general history books and information, check out warscholar.org or militaryhistorypodcast.com, my YouTube channel, War Scholar, and my podcast, Military History Inside Out. If you want new technology, science, and space books, check out technologyandspace.com, my YouTube channel, Space Walks Money Talks, and my podcast, Technology and Space. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to keep imagining the past, the present, and the future.